A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hi. Um, all right. This episode of the podcast is very interesting. Um, I did keep this one more concise because I had just done an interview a few days before or a little while, whatever, that was like, oh, I did it again. We went too long. I'm going to keep this more focused. So I think this one's a more focused episode, but it is. It definitely is because I jumped right in. Um, I jumped right in with a question because the way this came about was I ended up doing a gig with um laura who's my guest laura cassidy on this and uh and while we were on the gig uh she was like volunteered of her own you know just it was like oh mental health is so important to me i have this and this and i take this and this and i just think it's important to get that thing out there and talk about it more and i was like oh yeah i (laughs) certainly agree with you i have a podcast that's all about that um you should come be a guest on it and she's like no seriously would you i would love that because it's really important to me and i was like okay great so we made it happen and I will say, uh, this was really interesting. Um, what, what Laura is talking about having here is um, uh, different uh, eating disorder stuff she's experienced. Orthorexia, which is basically like um, over healthy, con- like you're, you you think everything is bad, sort of like, I'm going to say this wrong, but like you're very concerned with um, everything has to be healthy and you're too concerned with like, quote unquote, the idea that your food being healthy or not to a place, to a place of, you know, not eating anything to like really hurting yourself. And it's hand in hand with, she also diagnosed, she said with anorexia nervosa, which was um, uh, uh, itself hand in hand, I guess a common trait of uh, borderline personality, which is something that she lives with and experiences. And uh, it was uh, a really interesting talk to me um, I've never been diagnosed with any of these things, but similar to a conversation that I had a while ago with Zach on this podcast, um, where we talked about body dysmorphia, this, this conversation, listening to her habits around how she interacts with food and eating and sense of self around that, listening to how she, um, 
uses or copes with and has to walk this interesting fine line with fitness and the fitness world and physical practices and her anorexia and um, borderline stuff and uh, those sort of like that you know what I mean because like are you the the tracking of am I using this to hurt myself or help myself what's going on here from what place am I operating just the way she thinks about food and her body and herself I was like Ooh, boy, this is uh, hitting real close to home. Um, and I uh, I don't know. I was like, in the past, I've also been concerned that I may be borderline based on conversations uh, I've had and, and doctors have had experience I had in relationships. Um, I don't... Like, here's another thing, interesting thing about the idea of borderline. Um, she says this in the thing, but that like, it's not chemical the way like schizophrenia or bipolar is that like if you have those things... They are things that you'll probably have to deal with your whole life. And, you know, her understanding of, again, we're not ex experts, but what we've learned and what we're sharing about what we've learned or understand. Um, and that, that those kind of things do take chemical management. That borderline personality is interesting in that um, it's not that, that you can change it. You can change the way you think about things. And we talked a few weeks ago with um, Dr. Nick Barr about uh, DBT. Um, the uh, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. And he was saying how that's a thing that they use to treat borderline and that they use to treat PTSD in some people. And this is something that um, Laura uses and has learned and continues to use uh, this DBT, this dialectical behavioral therapy. And so getting to talk to somebody, it was like kind of a, an amazing coincidence a few weeks later to be able to talk about that. Um, but as she's talking about it and this idea that DBT is something that you can fix in a sense, like you can change your thoughts about yourself, you can change your thinking patterns and, and that it's, it is about that, those practices, uh, and disciplines, um, as opposed to it sheerly being like a chemical thing that you may have to manage with, uh, medication for your whole life. Um, I thought that was, that's a very hopeful thing, but also makes it very difficult. And apparently borderline can be very difficult to treat because uh, you can get these situations where it's this love, hate, extreme emotional response thing where you're as, as a, um, uh, uh, as person with borderline, th those borderline people can like end up just hating their therapist. And they're like, you hate me, you hate me, I hate you, you're, you know, and that, that can make it very difficult to create the trust and the work that is required for DBT to work and to deal with the borderline thing. So I just thought it was an interesting thing to talk about that like it can be very tricky, but also it is something that you can fix and is curable. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Laura was really great. She was really open about it. And uh, she's also, you know, like a lot of people who end up on this podcast, a, a creative person, an actor and a singer and um, an artist. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of um, folks uh, – I don't know if it's I don't know which which way that chicken or egg goes. If we have good bad brains first, that leads us to creativity because we don't know what else to do and we gotta like sort it out and just like really practice being people and think about being people so much for our lives that might as well make it our work. Or um it's probably that. I was gonna say I don't know if it's chicken or egg, but it's probably that that, that leads you to that rather than <laughs> I don't think you go crazy because of the arts. But um they certainly could do that. They could make you do that, probably. Um anyway. This was a lovely, lovely uh, conversation. I know I overuse the word lovely. I, I can't, I have like four words. I like wonderful, I like terrific, I like lovely, and um, probably just like dope or sick, something like that. But it was a lovely conversation with a lovely person, uh, Laura Cassidy. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation about all kinds of stuff, but especially borderline personality and, oh, well, eating disorders, basically. Um, yeah, you may, it may, 
don't know. May hit close to home for you the way it did for me. All right, yeah, here we go. Into it. Hi, we're recording. Okay, cool. Hi, welcome. Hi. Laura Cassidy. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, I, uh, we kind of, before we started recording, we started getting into it. So I feel like this might be one of the more focused episodes I've ever done. Um, You have borderline. Yes, I do. Okay. What is that? Because I don't really know. I've heard the term a lot, but I really don't understand it. I've had people, I've been worried I have borderline. Really? And I don't really know. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I was like, I sometimes I think when you look at things like between bipolar, borderline, a lot of just ADHD responses, I think it can be hard to understand the difference between those things or why one thing is the other. And I know you're not um, a, a professional or anything like that, but you you have been you have it. And so I'm just curious about your experience, about what you've been made to understand that means and what it actually means for you personally. Okay, so I actually just recently discovered this. Like I, I've been living with it my entire life because it's something, it's a set of behaviors. Like it's not a specific mental disorder. It's a set of behaviors. So I kind of, I decided to look up the actual definition yeah. of it to see. Um, but it's an mental disorder characterized by unstable moods, behavior, and relationships. See, that's um, like that, that, that for, you know, feels like, it could be so many there of can, us. And, and it is. It's a very broad, not specific. Like, that's that's not very specific. But um, it, it does fall under the umbrella of bipolar disorder as well. Oh. So um, a lot of times you can be kind of confused to as to which you have. Because at first, years ago, um, my doctors thought that I was bipolar. But then we kind of ruled that out. And we're, I'm not bipolar. What, how, what's the... Do you know like why they said you weren't bipolar or what would it have meant if you were? Did it have to do with like the mechanism or the ability to the medicine? It has to do with the criteria. Like okay. you have to fit a certain amount of criteria in order to actually be diagnosed with something. And I did not fit the criteria for it. Like for the symptoms of borderline, there are nine symptoms of borderline and there, there's so many different symptoms sure. you have. But um, one of the big ones are fear of abandonment. Um, and people with borderline are often terrified about being abandoned or mm-hmm. left alone. And they'll go to the extremes to kind of keep people there. Like, uh, I hear this a lot with borderline with um, in relationships. Let's say like their boyfriend or girlfriend wants to leave them because it's it is very difficult to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with someone with borderline. Um, and they would automatically go to I'm going to kill myself. Like yeah. the, they extreme have very. Responses. Yes, exactly. They have very, very extreme responses, unstable relationships, unclear or unstable self-image, impulsive, self-destructive behaviors. Um, self-harm is very common. Uh which is why I have an eating disorder as well, mm. um, because it is kind of an eating disorder is a form of self harm. Like you're, yeah. you're physically hurting your body. And also, you know? I did like by dysmorphia, it feels like really similar to what um, they would just said the unstable self image or something like that. Like, was that one of the things you just said? Oh, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, like, that sounds like also like hand in hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very it's it's kind of hard to diagnose things. And also, we don't really have a lot of information or studies on them that we should so it's kind of an evolving thing like I actually don't know if I fully have borderline like 100% but I have a lot of traits my psychiatrist has told me um you definitely fit the spectrum like I have like I like a lot of them um 
a lot of symptoms are also extreme emotional swings, chronic feelings of emptiness, explosive anger. And I had a lot of those. I felt hmm. constantly alone. I did not know how to deal with anger at all. Um, I would just kind of like, I would go from zero to a hundred, like real yeah. quick. And I didn't know how, what to do because I was not taught the skills to handle the behaviors. Like I was born, basically you're born with sensitivity, like extreme sensitivity. Mm. That's what like borderline is. And you don't know how to handle it. Like it's something that's, it's really scary too. Like yeah. when you feel like you can't control yourself or you feel like everyone around you is afraid of you, mm. it's a very lonely disorder yeah like it is definitely very lonely when, when did that start showing up for you oh as soon as i was about like five really as soon as yes as young as five i actually was hospitalized when i was eight hmm. for an attempted suicide oh attempt God. yes you were uh, eight when i was eight years old it was i was actually one of the youngest cases that's what the doctors i remember the doctor saying that i was one of the youngest cases um it was, we're kind of confused as to why it happens because a lot of borderline symptoms will show from trauma, abuse, mm -hmm. or just situations that have happened in your life. Um, and I do have history of abuse as a child. So that's kind of where I think it came from mm -hmm. <laughs> because I had this trauma. I didn't know how to handle those types of feelings mm -hmm. and I just acted out and, and, and that was it. And I, I had like a skewed version of myself and I couldn't really see myself how I was, which is a big, yeah. big thing of feeling like you don't really know who you are because it's a personality disorder, you know? Yeah. That started, that starts, it's just wild to think, uh, yeah. Cause I was, I think one of the, I, I, so I my understanding is some people do say borderline is just like a, a very, uh, like a form of PTSD, like it's an extreme form of yes, PTSD. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you were saying when we were working together the other day, like that you've done DBT stuff. Yes, that is that is actually what will help with, that's mm. the treatment for borderline is obviously medication too. Like, I mean, I actually do know some people with borderline that don't take medication and only strictly do DBT, but the main thing is dialectical behavioral therapy. Yeah. And um, basically what DBT is, is dialectics is having something be able to i'm trying to say this in the right way things yeah, can I mean, be just say it for same. what it is for you too like you know what I mean? it can be the same like something can be really happy and also sad at the same time like mm -hmm. things can be at this like does yeah. that make sense <laughs> yeah to not to not so you you're not black and white thinking yeah. that's a big that's also a big symptom we have a lot of black and white thinking like it's either all or nothing mm -hmm. we we don't have that middle area it's either i love you so much or i hate you mm -hmm. you know there's no like i kind of like you <laughs> it's yeah so what it does what dialectics teaches you is to kind of accept and to be and that's <laughs> and that's uh, very, very important. And I, I want to fight to get this in schools because I think that yeah. dialectical behavioral therapy isn't just something for borderline. It treats people with anxiety, depression. Um, if you're suicidal, uh, schizophrenic or, or bipolar or literally any type of disorder, yeah. I believe that DBT can treat. Well, can you give me an example like of how it, how, like what the tools are like if you have, if you're having a bad day or something, we like, are well, taught do do? skills. Yeah. So basically, we are taught to rewire our brain. Mm. That's literally what it is, is we we start from the bottom up. We have to learn how to handle certain situations. So we have like an entire book um, and it's the DBT book. 
And it gives us all these types of skills and coping mechanisms instead of going from zero to 100 really yeah. quick. Um, there's one of my favorite is the stop mechanism. And that's you stop, you observe the situation, you actually like really, you have to access your wise mind. So we have emotion mind and we have wise mind. And when we're, when uh, borderline people are in emotion mind, that's when we act out. That's when we do like our quote unquote borderline behaviors or we can go into manic episodes. Um, and the skills of DBT is kind of taught to either stop it or calm it down. Um, and the stop skill is like observing, really figuring out where am I? Am yeah. I going to be hurt right now? Is someone emotionally attacking me? Is someone physically attacking me? Is um, Am I safe? Just like you really have to think about it. Like yeah. you have to, a lot of meditation is also really important. Hmm. And because you have to access um your wise mind, which yeah. is um, hard to do. Yeah, in in a heightened state. <laughs> in especially. a heightened state, that's why it's very it's difficult. Actually, the inventor uh, Marsha Linhan, who invented DBT, she was borderline, which I still don't understand how she managed to come up with something mm. while also being borderline. Yeah, like, that is something. Well, I mean, that also is like it, to me. it's definitely like would be so urgent for her and it, and if you're already a I think a lot of mental health professionals have had like struggled with oh yeah things that, that leads them to that field to, like, all of for... my therapists are recovered eating disorders uh people oh, with really? eating disorders yeah they're all yeah. recovered um and I I actually really like that not to kind of put not to put anyone down who has like studied this for years but I just feel like if you've gone through it you just you have a different way of looking at it and you can really understand people yeah. like when you're in someone's shoes like you get it you really do like i me and my therapists we have a lot of the same behaviors and mm. since they went through it they can tell me hey this is what i did in order to you know ease ease myself can you give me some examples of that like what's like um so a lot of times when i'm not feeling good in my body i like to body compare like that is and that's something that even people that are not diagnosed with eating disorders do like it is sure. very prominent like a, the comparison game is really really popular now <laughs> yeah so well, what with, like social media and everything. oh my gosh it's awful so what i like to do is let's say like i am on social media and i see a girl and i'm like oh my gosh her body's gorgeous like she has this she has that first of all one so uh i reframe it's called a reframed thought so i reframe my thoughts and i'm like well, one, I don't know this person. I have no idea what she's going through. I don't know her life. I don't know if she suffers from an eating disorder and that's well, why she looks that way. Are you saying that because like you start you start at like this body this person has and then you associate that with all these like positive things like they must have a better life. They must yeah, be a better person. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, she's so skinny. She's so pretty. She gets all this attention, blah, blah, blah. Like I'm fat. I'm this. I'm that, you know, but instead of kind of criticizing myself and putting myself down I just have to learn how to accept she was born in that body and I'm born in my body she mm -hmm. was genetically made to look like that and she's healthy in that body but actually I actually I don't even know that right. I have no idea that's an that's another reason why I you don't know what people are going through but so I like can't think that you're doing that stop thing and you're like you, you're like removing your instinctive value judgments exactly and just yeah like exactly looking and just do. saying like well, this isn't good or bad. This is what it is. This is that's it. That's exactly what dialectics uh. are. It's not good or bad. It's just learning how to accept. It's called radical acceptance. It's just learning to accept what is and that there's really nothing that you can do about it. 
you know, um, we had to do something in therapy before Thanksgiving and we had to write down things we can control, things we can kind of control and things we can't control, Mm -hmm. um, at Thanksgiving and it, writing it out really helped me kind of realize like the world is not going to baby me. Like it's not going to be there for me and cradle me. I need to learn to accept that the world is a crazy place and it's not going to be sensitive to my needs. And I can only change my reaction, my response to other people. No matter how hard you try, you cannot change another person. You can only change yourself and how you respond to them. Yeah. That's, and that includes like how you respond to your own thoughts and your own emotions in a way. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, exactly. Like, like you'll have like this reaction and be like, well, this must be true. I'm a piece of shit. And that person's a really cool, good person yeah. because of how they look on Instagram. Uh, and then you, but you have to like, I don't know that I, I feel like I experienced that where like you have Everybody to like stop does. your own mind and mm-hmm. hold things. I, I mean, I mean that idea of like just looking at objective reality uh, and as, as a not a bad or good thing. I think that's really hard to do. It's hard for anyone like Buddhas have issues with doing, you know, like meditation and all this. And we have to be taught how to do it. Yeah, it's, that's what I mean by starting from the bottom up. Like this is an extremely difficult thing, but it's possible. Yeah, I had this strange like like a long time ago. I was like, I just, you know, we, we all where I was super existential crisis at it at some time. I mean, whatever, all the time. But there was <laughs> this uh, I had this thought and I still struggle how to like say it. Uh, correctly but I was just like anything that exists uh, isn't like <laughs> has a the thought was that like anything that exists no matter how bad it is isn't like defying the laws of physics it's not like from outside of reality you mm-hmm. can't say it like is wrong in the universe like it fits here and it exists and that implied to me some not like a good thing mm-hmm. but not a bad thing either just yeah. that things that are are mm-hmm. and that we if I could really understand that that I wouldn't have to feel so cursed and oppressed by the constant horror of the world of like the things like war and, you know, petty uh, cruelty and mm-hmm. things that just seem to never stop, you yeah. know, different kinds of uh, bigotry and marginalization that it helped to go like these aren't good things. Uh, they're actually bad if you're looking at them in like some kind of subjective sense. Yeah. But that they just they exist and. We have to accept it. That I have to accept that. And that like, that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean accept it in the sense of like, don't try and give stop into it, it and yeah. give into it. Absolutely not. Like no, but like it's, we can't just kind of be like, okay, the world sucks. Bye. Yeah, like, like, exactly. <laughs> the thought that there's some enormous, like satanic energy to this thing that like is outside of, you know, like something corrupting reality itself. And, that because those things felt like they would poison me and I felt like I was part of that poison energy that there's something just essentially wrong with me and that like you know in this kind of feeling about the universe and a belief that some things are really fucking toxic and poisonous and bad including myself and some things aren't um was ridiculous like it's that's that that's that black and white thinking, thinking yeah and that like you know creating some ability to step uh back from my i always pictured as stepping back from myself like a ghost version of me like leaves mm-hmm. my body and looks yes, at me yeah that like in doing that you could just look at the things and and not and stop feeling like 
the world was against you or that everything was bad and it was never going to get better. And so like, what's the fucking point? And just go like, it's not even that. It's just, this is just the shape of, of the map. You know what yeah, I mean? Yes. Yes. Like that, that the reality doesn't have an intention to punish me. No, uh, not at all. You know what I mean? We just think that way. Like, like I'm actually curious now. What made you think, because you mentioned before that you said you thought that you were borderline. What made you think that? Um, Relationships I've been in and the stuff you described there. Sorry, I took a piece of bite of toast. Um, <laughs> um, uh, extreme responses. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting because uh, a lot of ADHD stuff feels like there's a lot of Venn diagram stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, so that extreme hyper arousal, emotional hyper arousal, um, rejection sensitivity disorder stuff where mm-hmm. like if you got the slightest uh, feeling that someone was rejecting you or like didn't like you or disapproved or something like that, it would like feel like this physical pain. Yes, in your that's, chest. that's what happens to me, too. And that's something that I am currently working on in therapy is the second that I feel like someone doesn't like I base my opinions off of other people and it's awful. Like awful. it's so yeah. bad is totally if that. someone's just like, hey, you look good, good today. I'm like, oh, OK, I guess I look good. Someone's just like, wow, like you suck. I'm just like, okay, I suck. Like I'm a piece of shit, you know, like that's, but I feel like you'll also start to just like look for punishing things. Yes. Like if someone's be like, like, Oh, you seem tired. You'll start just being like, do I look tired? Do I look sick? Am I ugly? What's fucking wrong with me? Oh God, I got to get on my shit. We have very obsessive thoughts. Like very, like as soon as I start to feel, Oh yes. That. And also with like the eating disorder and also, um, eating disorders are very common with borderline. They, mm-hmm. they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and so those two mixtures you together that, are just like a, a huge anxiety disorder. I, I uh, have said in the past that I don't believe I have an eating disorder, but I do have disordered eating. Like, Oh yeah. A lot a of people way. do. No, no, no. A lot no. of people do. And I don't like the fact that there's a stigma that women have eating disorders. It's just women. Right. No, no, no. And that you have to be stick thin like bones and that's an eating disorder. Like, no, there's yeah. not. You can be in any type of body and have an eating disorder. It has to do with your thought process mm-hmm. and and the way that you treat food. It doesn't matter how you look. There was a girl at my treatment center and she went to a hospital and they told her she wasn't skinny enough to be diagnosed yeah, with an eating disorder. Crazy. And I just... <laughs> I was so sick to my stomach. I said, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like that's basically encouraging her to die almost because right. she was already so small. Yeah. And they were just saying, yeah, you don't reach this, the um, body mass. Well, t- what does that mean? Criteria. Like, can, can you explain? <laughs> you said this thing about like, it's about the way you think about food is the way, it's, like, what do you mean? There's so many different reasons for eating disorders. Like what people don't understand is it's about the body, but it's not about the body, but yeah. it is about the body. Like, but like there, for it's you, so many, like for you, what's it for me? How's it manifest? I believe, well, I've actually, I found out in therapy and I didn't know this until I went to therapy that I've had disordered eating since I was eight years old. Mm. Um, I, I had orthorexia, which is obsessive of with health. Uh, like yeah. I wouldn't eat my own birthday cake. I, it took me a week to eat a Twinkie in a therapist's office. Like I was so afraid of quote unquote junk food. Mm. I just wouldn't eat anything. And I lost so much weight and that's what orthorexia is. And then I was just upset. I would always ask, is this healthy? Is this healthy? Is this healthy? I was just obsessed with health. What did you, what would you consider healthy at the time? Um, just like vegetables, like proteins, um, just nothing that was like 
a dessert. Well, I just think much. that's so interesting. Like, like, would you eat pasta and bread and stuff? Yeah, I did. See, like, I, I just think it was it's just desserts that scared yeah, me. Yeah, okay. Because like, it was ortho- I, I've heard that term orthorexia before, and um, I just think about it a lot because it, it uh, so much of it doesn't actually have to do with what's healthy either. Like, it's like what your idea of healthy is. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know what I mean? Like, there's people who would tell you any kind of carb is like absolutely fucking bad for you and like yeah. never eat a grain that's yeah. super unhealthy. And no. <laughs> you know, keto primal or kind of stuff. That's actually so bad for your body. I mean, I've known people who have really good responses and I truly believe in like all my weird explorations of diet stuff that like you just got to know your own body. Yeah. No, at the end it, of the day, yes. See what functions with it. But um, you know what I mean? It's just like it's very strict. Like for me, the disordered eating thing, it, um, my friend said to me one time. I was like doing another kind of a restricted diet thing, like some something like that. It was like a keto thing or a paleo or something like that. I was like, I'm gonna do this for a while, and uh, and they go like, oh yeah, you always got to struggle, you know. You do you always know what you just said? Huh. You just said you just said restricted diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what that would be. That's like what, some kind that's of restricted- what a diet is. It's restriction, and that's what leads to eating disorders. All diets are restriction. They're not. Right. Me- if your diet is telling you that you can't eat some of your favorite foods, you need to get a new diet. Sure. There's, there's, you just need to learn how to intuitively eat. And that's what we're taught in my treatment center um, at Keystone. Shout out to Keystone. That's my treatment center. Um, And they are absolutely the best. I love them. But we are learned to listen to your bodies because that's what I don't seem to understand is how you can look at a scale or an app to tell you how much your body needs. You know that if you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't eat. Mm-hmm. Like it, you don't need something to tell you what to do to your body. Like right. you just got to listen to yourself because counting, like counting macros, doing these diets, paleo, keto, like that's not meant to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And people think that it is, but it's not. Every person that I have known that has done any of those diets now intuitively eat mm-hmm. or have entered eating disorders. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there is something to to that. I don't know. It's weird because like if you do have a lot of stomach problems and stuff like because I know you've had I know you've like stomach stuff your whole life, too. And and you're also in the fitness world. Yes. So this is like interesting to talk to you about because uh, a those can all be very gateway things. Mm -hmm. Like I I, I still think if a teenager like comes to you and I, I remember like the town I grew up in had like one of the biggest, the biggest eating disorder is Highland Park, Illinois, and this hospital mm-hmm. eating disorder center, like one of the prominent ones in the country, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But um, I remember them saying like, you know, if your kid like does uh, suddenly become like raw vegan or something like mm-hmm. that, um, they're like, that's fine. Pay, but pay attention because a lot of times you can use one of these diets, quote unquote, as just an excuse to like yep. say no to a lot of things. And I did that too. Really? I did that when I had uh, surgery because I was born with 20 inches of extra colon. Right. <laughs> I don't know why. I just was. And after my surgery, I was on a very strict diet. Uh, I couldn't have anything fibrous. Hmm. So I couldn't have any wheat. I couldn't have any vegetables. Like it was very, very strict. And I did lose a little bit of weight because I couldn't eat as much as I normally would. And I got like happy about it. I was, I was very excited. And I was like, oh, like, um, well, I have a, I have a colon issue and it's very sensitive. So, you know, maybe I should just not eat this stuff at all like I should just I started it started to kind of morph into eating disorder thoughts like I used my um 
surgery as an excuse to restrict myself. And I caught on to that. And I was Dude, like, mm. I fucking do that. I totally fucking do that. I don't know. I, um, it's weird to hear you say that. It's, uh, I go through like phases where I'll be like, all right, I'm going to be strict for a while now. I'm too inflammatory. My guts are bothering me. We're just going to do this thing. And I'll do that for a little while. And things will be like, maybe a little better, maybe not. You can never tell. It's like psychosomatic, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, ah, oh, fucking fuck this. That's not how I think about food. I love all kinds of food and blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go like crazy with like cookies and cakes. And I was just like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like I'll like react to it the other way and be like, yeah. what the fuck am I doing? I'm just a person. I can eat whatever I want. Yeah. But then it's, it really is like bopping between these it is. The, it's, extremes. It's too, yeah, exactly what you said. It's bopping between. That's why we have to learn how to find that happy middle of moderation. Yeah, just That's all that it is. You know, like if you want a cookie, eat the fucking cookie. <laughs> if you yeah. want an apple, eat the apple. If you want the cookie and the apple, eat the cookie and the apple. Right. Like that's, that's, that's it. Obviously I wouldn't recommend going and eating like in and out three times a day, you know, because yeah. it's not, it's not about like, Oh, that's junk, junk food. It's about nutrients. Like at the end of the day, if yeah. you're not getting enough nutrients in your body, you are going to feel like shit. And I think that's why, like I go, if you go on like a restricted diety thing, I felt I, horrible. Here's the thing. All those keto things and stuff do tell you, they basically say eat a lot of it. They do say eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of vegetables, mm -hmm. but you kind of like, it's just hard to do that on the go and you associate it with it. Just you like, you know, you know, yeah, <laughs> that sure, meant that sure. much vegetables. <laughs> but I think the result is that you end up eating like the same three things and mm -hmm. you don't feel good. And and uh, and this idea of just eating a diverse amount of just like stuff that's good for you. I, I really think the act of listening to yourself is very challenging. And what you were saying about the wisdom mind versus the emotion mind. The wise whatever, mind, the wise, yeah. yeah. That like that is uh, not an easy thing to really tune into i think mm -hmm. if you're unpracticed at no, it no that's why i want to get it into schools well now. especially if it's associated with things like hunger or yeah. you know what i mean or like a, a physical bodily need and response that now you've added also like psychological factors onto. i think i definitely eat with emotions like crazy uh, a lot of humans do that's not something yeah. that's rare at all like we we do like that's why desserts are invented you don't eat a dessert to you know because it gives you nutrients you eat a dessert because it makes you feel good and it makes you right. happy and brings serotonin to you you know is that something that like they talk to you about in therapy oh yeah really? definitely like um because i was very obsessed with looking at the nutrition labels to see like how many calories how many carbs the fats blah 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 and um i went grocery shopping with my dietitian and she saw me looking at the nutrition labels and she's just like why are you doing that and i'm just like uh, uh, specifically for all the dessert she's like why are you looking at a nutrition label for the dessert like why and i was just like i just want to know i just i, I just want to know and she goes dude like you know that there's going to be a lot of sugar you know there's going to be a lot of calories you're you know that why are you torturing yourself they're not meant to give you health benefits it's meant for your soul <laughs> and to make you feel good mm. literally all you're doing is just hurting yourself like eat it by, don't by look reading at it. and being like, by this reading is so bad. yeah this exactly is so bad. like don't it's one thing if you're looking at nutrition labels like if you have like an allergy or um or you are trying to just get like more nutrients into your body that's different but being obsessive about every single label like that's how I noticed that I was restricting is I would look at a label and I would want this product and it would scare me and I would just put it back and I would grab something else that was like lower calorie or lower you know like anything yep. that wasn't as much as whatever I grabbed yeah. there's uh you know Michael Pollan is he he wrote a book called the omnivores dilemma he's like a 
he's like a journalist uh writes books though and usually non-fiction ones in the world of like food and stuff mm-hmm. Uh, but he wrote one. He wrote Omnivore's Dilemma, which was like really uh, impactful book for me. Um, but then he basically he wrote this other one. It was a smaller volume that was supposed to be like kind of his one about like how to eat, basically, yeah. because people like were so out of touch with that. And it's he's got still, I think, the best food rules that I've ever read, which is like just like eat real food, uh, not too much, mostly vegetables. <laughs> and like, that's it. Like, that's like it. He's like, if you just can start to tune into that thing and be like. Because we can recognize is like, is it food or not? Like, yeah. is it some weird? And, and it's funny. I fall into this shit like, um, like ice cream. You know that Halo Top ice cream? Uh-huh, you see I that? love Halo Top. It's very fucking good <laughs> yes, for I what like, it is. Yes. Although I think like it's got all these sugar alcohols in it that don't it make does. me feel good. I mean, yeah, I feel like fucking gassy as shit. It does have a lot of sugar alcohols. But it's like, I was like, what? What am I? What you just said is just resonated with me about like the nutritionist being like, why are you? What are you doing? Yeah. It's like, it's like I probably would be better off just like crushing some like real ice cream made with like good ingredients mm-hmm. than being like, oh, but I'm gonna. I this is like basically real food if you look at the macros. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like this thing of like. I don't know. There's something too about like when you repress like a thing that you want, like that it comes out like like across the spectrum of psychological thought. Like if you repress something that is an urge, it pathologizes somehow. Mm-hmm. Like if you pretend you don't feel a way, you're gonna it's gonna come out somewhere and usually like in more harmful and more extreme ways. Oh yes. And so if you like are hungry or like have a taste for something that like you want to eat, that like you're like no, but I can't, I can't, I can't. Eventually, it's gonna come out in like weird binges and weird That's like self harming. That's what I was literally behavior. just about to say. Is I was gonna this second that I restrict myself in the tiniest way it could be it could be literally like um uh i want potato or like i want french fries but i'm gonna have potatoes because that's like quote unquote healthier than french fries which it's not really yeah not yeah it's not um and i binged yeah that's literally what happened was the second that i restrict myself is i automatically have those thoughts and i just go straight to wanting to binge everything yeah like if you restrict, 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 like all throughout the day, at the end of the night, that's when you're going to break. Yeah. And that's also, and I asked my dietitian, I was like, why is it at nighttime that like people tend to binge? I, like, I get that hard. It's, it's literally at nighttime. And, and she kind of explained that nighttime is like when you're winding down, you're not really thinking about a lot. It's very lonely. Like, I don't know why, but mm-hmm. she, but, and it does make sense. Like, it's very, like, nighttime is very lonely. It's, it's normally cooler. It's dark. So a lot of those uncomfortable feelings tend to come up at nighttime. That happens to e- me. Yeah. Hard. So I, that's why. Even Treat like, yourself um, during the day. Total. That's, so you're saying like, that's like a strategy or like, just eat, eat what you eat want during what the day. what you want during, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yes. Because in the dark, you're like, we're in the dark now. And I did that. <laughs> I did that. Like, I, I had a day where I didn't track. Um, because that was one of my challenges is I, I cause I love to do you make still sure track? I, I do. Um, and I tracked I my don't... macros one, this, earlier this year for like six weeks. I, uh, and it was interesting for me. It was nice to see. Yeah. But, um, it not work. sustainable for me. It's not, no, it's same thing with me. Like it's not the only reason why I'm still is because I'm still in recovery. Like I am not recovered at all. And also it's going to take a very long time. I recently learned that after all eating disorder behaviors are gone, like if I'm not thinking about it, nothing, like everything is gone. It takes two to three years 
after that to be fully recovered. Crazy. It's a long yeah. process. So I do, but I'm not supposed to. Like, And my dietitian and my therapist, they're very aware of it and they're working on me. Like, They're giving me challenges. Like once a week, I have to take a day where I just don't track anything. And those are very, very scary days for me. They make me very uncomfortable. But the more that I do it, the less scary it becomes. And then eventually... I just, I'm not going to feel the need to do it anymore. Yeah. It's exposure therapy. Yeah. And and that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm facing all of my fears so that they're not fears anymore. Uh, and the, what's the fear specifically there? Um, with when it comes to food. Yeah, you're saying like, like what the, the face Really, it's just about weight gain. Like it's, it's fear because I'm specifically diagnosed with anorexia nervosa and I was very obsessed with exercise. Like I do love to exercise. Right. Like I love working out. I lift five days a week. But it was to the point where I was not eating nearly enough for the yeah. amount of calories I was burning and how, how much um, I was purging. Also, purging is not just making yourself throw up. Purging is uh, forcing yourself to overexercise or well. Right. Like there's so many different Sweat. ways to purge. Mm. Yeah. Um, and Oof. that was my way of purging of. I would eat something and then I'd be like, all right, I got to go exercise now. I got to burn, burn that all off. And it was to the point where I went into a cannabolic state. Like my body started eating itself and I was in urgent care all the time. And I was just like, yes, because my body was eating itself. And I was just like, I have this problem. I have this problem. And they would try and tell me like, what would it manifest as? Um, there was one time where I went to the gym and I came home and I literally just passed out. Like I just fell, I just fell. And I was like shaky. I wasn't feeling good. Um, I constantly had to go to the bathroom. Like I constantly had to pee all the time. Sorry, this is TMI. No. But I believe that it's because I didn't have enough in my body and I was only drinking like a lot of water. So it just literally went right through me. Like it was just like if I drink water, it would just go, okay, time to come out. Like I, because I didn't have anything to kind of keep it like i don't know i don't know how i don't know how that works no i feel like i'm like really facing that i fucking have an eating disorder while i'm listening to you really kinda um i mean it's really common like it's not and i've by talking to some people i've i've helped people realize like oh my gosh i think i have because there is a difference between eating disorders and disordered eating Uh um eating disorders i would have to find like the actual um criteria I'm not but what it well, what and I know we all understand that you're not like a quote-unquote oh, not, oh, not at from all your experience but just and, yeah strictly yeah, you, experience take, and the knowledge that I've had from treatment exactly which is so invaluable like anybody who's like gone into the dark and can come back and talk yeah. about it it's so helpful but like yeah what yeah like okay like I quit drinking this year mm-hmm. pr- pretty much completely like I there was like two times that I had some alcohol uh and therefore like very weird specific good like ritualistic region reasons but i wouldn't say that i i say i'd say benefit me incredibly like mm-hmm. i love it i don't miss it uh you know really at all but um i wouldn't say i'm like a 12 step sober person yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not working a program yeah. and i'm not like i'm not like oh if i have something i'm gonna relapse yeah and, yeah, yeah. You know, i still smoke weed mm-hmm. uh whatever but uh that's kind of what i'm starting to think is like when i'm talking to you i'm like all these things you're saying even down to some of the physical symptoms i experience yeah. like the, the peeing all the time thing yeah. is such a weird one every like, 20 minutes I, i'm literally a pregnant woman like that's yeah. what it's like do you do you shit a lot too <laughs> so so my 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 <laughs> i mean you my know. issue with it and no, i i don't care um <laughs> i i don't have a happy middle 
because of my colon like that yeah, it's either that's fair yeah. yeah i literally don't have i don't have a happy middle like I it has that. to do it's it, my, my my way of using the bathroom is borderline like it's very black go, and white yeah, it's very see, black and white it's either all or nothing i gotta see a gi doctor <laughs> same <laughs> same i'm figuring I, that like, out maybe i have extra colon I mean, you, no, no, but I do feel, I don't know. I'm very extreme in that regard. Also, it's just weird. I, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, this, there seems to be something intertwined, like psychologically, even like with a deep existential question, like, like the mechanisms of sustaining, uh, and nourishing your physical form become these ways to hurt yourself or that you feel confused about, or you don't understand. And that feels very tied to me, like intimately with this like question of my existence and what the fuck am I and why am I here? and am I a bad thing and like feeling like strange and and not right in the world like that's that's how I feel often and have for a long time and that there is that it's interesting then that in I mean I, I've always said uh, I still feel this way like I'll catch myself in reflections and and get caught in them sometimes because I don't identify with my self like I don't it's weird to be like that's me that's this is I'm in this thing and that's so strange like this dissociation with your physical form and uh and that like then the question of the mechanism of the vessel and like what serves it and what feeds it and how your different uh metabolisms work and you know what I mean like mm-hmm. your your synthesis uh, processes and how they function it just feels like there's something in that in that confusion about that and that strangeness about like how that works and why it works and what's the deal with it and how do I do it the best version that it can be I don't know that seems really tied to like being really feeling weird about existing in general yeah you know what I mean no I I agree with that also I'm curious I I do want to ask you a question is do you think that you almost want to have some sort of medical diagnosis like uh physical like health wise because you don't want to face the fact that you could possibly have disordered eating or an eating disorder. Maybe. I mean, for just like, like definitely for the shitting and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> like I shit all fucking day long so many times. And uh, I feel like I, I constantly am taking like road trip bathroom breaks. I call them Yo, just like, same. really? Just same. like, I'm I like, I don't know what I'm on the side of the road all the time. Well, and on, well, I always call them that like this idea of like, we're going to be in the car for three hours. So pee now, even if you don't have to go make yourself pee. I feel like I'm always doing that. I, I'm doing that before working out, especially before jujitsu all the time. I'm like, I have like a, weird anxiety that I'll today will be the day that I don't tap and I choke out and then I shit myself on the mat and I don't want to do it (laughs) which is like never happens but you know it's like a weird um but anyway so I do wish I had some medical reason that people would be like you're allergic to gluten that's what it is or you're you know or we all want answers because yeah we want fucking answers because I just would love a a magic bullet where I go like oh now I'm normal the the closest thing to that has just been Metamucil like if you fucking just eat psyllium husk it's like a beautiful thing you just get it really does change some of that for the better so I'm gonna well I want to tell you something kind of kind of shitty no pun intended Mm -hmm. um you may not get the answer you and that's right. part of the dialectics which I study is radical acceptance is you may not get the answer and that's something that you're gonna have to accept. Yes, you I know? think you're right. I you think know? this is like that's very profound. <laughs> I mean, is. like as you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, it's weird because my physical practices have shifted so much over the years. Like I've done, fa- I used to teach CrossFit. I've done like more and less intense phases of MMA. I've done like powerlifting cycles and bodybuilding cycles and ones where I just want to get as big as I could, all these things. And now the my favorite 
one is very similar to what we're talking about, like eating strategies, which is like I go to the space I'm going to move around because I think that's very fucking important to like live in your body and move your body around and be happy with it. And, oh, yeah. And I just want my physical practices mainly to make my body feel like less of a prison uh, and deal with pain and things like that that I have. And then I kind of just go listen and be like, what do I need to do today? And I usually start just like moving around. It's kind of stretching and it turns into some exercise and then maybe I'll add some weights in or whatever. But it's become a very holistic in its best thing of like listening to yourself and doing things. That being said, if I don't put some discipline into like make myself do it, like because I, I always feel better after doing it. Yeah. I sometimes won't. You'll fall into like ruts. And it does feel really closely related to this eating thing where it's like with my eating, I, I, I after I'm 33 years old and after my whole life of eating and then a lot of phases of reading and learning and blah, 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 nutritional stuff for different exercising things, I still like often will be like, I don't know how to eat. You know what I mean? Like I'll just in the day, I'll just be like, I don't know. I don't know. What am I supposed to be eating to be healthy and to not feel like horrible all the time? And uh, and it's and this thing you're saying about like you just may not get an answer. Uh, and and also I think facing up to the possibility that the bad feelings that I have in the physical manifestations of them, including like the IBS stuff, mm-hmm. might not have to do with food at all. No, like it, it could just be a straight up medical issue. <laughs> yeah, or or uh, or mental, right? Or mental. Like it or feels you could like think, I could be yeah doing like the way I process. I mean, I associate a lot of. Uh, my stomach problems is starting around like nine to 12, 13, whatever, when, uh, which correlates to like when my family started like dissolving like crazy, Yeah, you know, when like big conflicts started happening and I was like the oldest and I would hear about them and I would kind of like be consulting my parent. I would like parenting them, you know, yeah. and started like all the stress and, uh, and feeling of like wrongness and that like, I, I still just process it in my gut like immediately. Well, actually, your gut is very, very connected to your brain. Have you ever heard of like the mind to oh, gut yeah. connection? Yeah. No, it does. Like it, it, if you have a crappy diet, like if you are just eating like, you know, like as I said before, like in and out three times a day, that can cause depression, that can cause anxiety, that yeah. can cause a lot of mental disorders because of the way that of what you're putting into your body. You're not getting enough nutrients. Like when I wasn't getting enough nutrients, I felt like shit. I could not do anything. I literally could not walk my dog without getting winded or feeling like I just ran like 12 miles. When, when you were doing, what was the circumstance? This was when I was very, very low weight. I was eating about like 1500 calories a day and exercising for almost two hours. Uh, Uh, very, very intensely. Catabolic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Eating yourself alive. And, it was because I wasn't getting the enough, the nutrients that I needed. So it really affected, I couldn't think straight. Like I, I felt like I was dumb. Like I kept telling my family, I was like, I feel stupid. Like I literally cannot have a full conversation with someone because I feel like I'm not even there. Like Mm -hmm. I'm in like a dreamlike state. Yeah. And the, the tinier that I got, the more depressed I got. Yeah. Um, and that has to do with the fact that I wasn't feeding my body what it needed. That's, you know, uh, something that comes up on this podcast sometime, especially like with ADHD stuff is what first had the thought was that like, there's a lot of standard practices in our society now that I do believe are like basically building ADHD brains, like overusing your dopamine receptors with like the internet and constantly needing new dopamine, blah, blah. Like that, I, I don't, I'm not a scientist, but, but that seems like, a good way to mimic the actual 
circumstances, like the actual um, mechanism behind ADHD or like yeah. your dopamine receptors don't yeah. receive as well and they don't get satisfied. And so you can't focus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. This thing you're saying about like, like with eating disorder stuff, uh, I was just talking about this on the last podcast was um, that the overall message, uh, I think, to women in popular health and fitness culture, too, is like to be less is yes. like to be smaller, yep. be less offensive, like to have less you know body take up less space yeah. be smaller yep. and then maybe someone will love you and like they'll scoop you up and they'll mm-hmm. be like a little person you know and it's like really um fucking fucked up and that's like a really <laughs> yeah. unfortunate uh message that like it's just interesting because like the actual if you are actually a diagnosed person who's really struggling from it and like mm-hmm. that's that's still the impulse like is there like what is in that is there some impulse to like disappear oh my to gosh like hurt, yes. to go to die like what's i was driving just it? i was literally just discussing this with my roommate today um yeah i mean that is a big symptom when it comes to eating disorders as we do kind of feel like we're a waste of space so the smaller that we are you know we just it's almost like we're not there mm-hmm because as i said before it's about the body but it's not about the body it also has a lot to do with um your, your history and depression, anxiety, like it is an anxiety disorder. Um, so we're kind of like anxious at, at the fact of just like, Oh, are we too much? Are we, that's, 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 that's the, that's really what I can, how I can describe it is, are we too much? That's, that's my personal Uh, thinking process. And that's part of the one you said uh, earlier backing up, but like when you were like, what made you think you were borderline? Yeah. That would be a common thing was I was like, I'm always too much. People always tell me I'm too much. I'm too intense. I know I'm too much. What is too much? But then I'd wear it as a badge of like self harm. Like, I know I'm too, like very emo, you know, smoking clove cigarettes, like goth kid. Like, oh yeah. I know I'm too much. I'm too (laughs) intense for people. Like we're told to be ourselves, but then if we're too much ourselves, then they're like, all right, you got to sit down. Yeah. So like, what what are we supposed to do? But then don't you have to moderate, don't you moderate, like, I do think I can be too much. Like I, to me, that's what the dialectical stuff you're describing is about. Uh, I've never formally been taught that, but in like different mindfulness practices and therapies, things about basically kind of being able to go like am i being too much and if i'm being too much can i just acknowledge that without it being bad and i can like am i being too much for myself am that's i a overreacting to that's a actually really good that you're yeah. doing that that's a that's a uh dbt strategy actually oh, okay. is doing self check-ins like i'll do i'll do like normally i i'll i'll sit at like a three or a four and then the fact that i'll i passed a four and i go higher what, than what that, does that mean like, a three or like four what does I, that mean? I give myself like a number what would I call it? A number... Like a rating system? Yeah, kind of, kind of. Like one being like emotionless. Ten being like off the fucking walls, like screaming. Like literally like the biggest emotion like how so yeah, it's a like, scale of like how activated yes, you yes, feel a scale that's what i was trying i was i could not think oh, of the scale, word a okay, scale yeah. yes a scale so i normally sit at about a three or a four yep. that's me because i'm not obviously emotionless and I'm, I'm a pretty bubbly person so that's where i sit and the second that i pass that and i'll do little check-ins like i'll be like okay what number am i oof I'm leaning towards a five. Got it. And then I'll do like another skill. Like if it's the top skill or if it's a tip skill, a tip skill is also a temperature thing. Uh, and it's a scientific thing. Like if you're having anxiety, you take a cold object and you put it right in the middle of your forehead mm. and it brings down um, your heart rate. Would you call that a tip skill? Yes. Tip. So it's temperature, intense exercise. And then, oh my gosh, I forget what the P is. I don't know if it's 
Oh, Oh, I forget what the T is, but yeah, that's another skill. So temperature as in like putting like uh, literally like, yeah, some people will literally dip their heads in ice. buckets. that's so interesting. And it brings it just brings it like I've done that so many times. I was having a really, really bad panic attack and I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And I just I was so uncomfortable. And all I did was just grab a frozen orange. I put it right in the middle of my forehead and and I was just like calming down. Like I physically felt my body calm down like I was not anxious so that's that's one of my favorite things but what I do is body checks so if I'm at if I'm like going past uh, a four I'll do a skill and then I'll come back and I'll be like okay where am I at now and then I'm like oh okay I went down a little bit maybe I should do something else like I just I do self check-ins like it I have to be very very self-aware because that's what you're taught in in DBT is to learn how to be self-aware and fix things on your own pretty much because at the end of the day no one's gonna save you the only person that you have is yourself the only person that's stopping you is yourself yeah you know so it does seem like this borderline stuff and uh the eating disorder stuff really is very closely related oh it oh very much so it's that's as i said before it's one of the symptoms is borderline is a, a lot of borderline people have eating disorders yeah I thought we would uh, just we'll segue to the second the, the six quick cues thing. So we kind of started like already. We've been talking about this since the beginning. But the first one is that question of like, what have you been specifically diagnosed with? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So that is you. Somebody told you you're borderline. And- borderline eating disorder. Uh, anxiety, depression. Uh, that's that's what it is. And that, this is actually. So I've I've publicly spoke about my eating disorder I think not too much because I actually just recently kind of came out with it I put uh, a video on on my Instagram and the borderline thing is actually something that I have not and I've actually been very yeah this is this is congratulations you should feel honored that this is this is actually the first time that um I've I've talked about it but it's very like in the news right now it is it's actually because right now I don't know if you know who Pete Davidson is Mm -hmm. um He's a he's a comedian on SNL engaged to Ariana Grande for those of you who actually don't know what he is. Well, he was. Uh, or who, who or he was engaged right, to Ariana. Up, yeah. I said who don't know what he, who don't right. know what, what he is. Who <laughs> don't know who that's he what is. he is. What he is. He's just the ex of Ariana Grande. Thank you, Nash. <laughs> he's just the ex. No, and that's and that's um and that's the big thing is he just came out um about how he's suicidal right now and how he's being attacked online and he's one of the only celebrities that have come out uh, with borderline personality disorder and what people don't know is how insanely common it is did you know that every single human has borderline traits well, some just have right, some has real. more than others yeah it's and it's a set of behaviors it's not like a mental disorder like you're not if you google it it's scary it's fucking scary like it is you that's mean what, because you're like uh because of the symptoms or or like or what it makes you feel like it makes you have it right away. yeah like yeah. people like i i tell people i'm just kind of like uh uh, I wouldn't Google if I were you. Just like, just talk to me about it, and I'll, and I'll explain mm-hmm. it to you. Because some people have it worse, and when you Google it, it's like the extreme of the extreme. And right. I'm, I'm not the extreme. Well, like that, like I don't know. Yeah, but all that stuff, like the extreme responses. I mean, that's what I've experienced with like, like, like love hate responses to people, like this kind of, you know, you know what I mean. Like that sounds all, yeah, very common. Very. It, it no, it is like it's it's unstable relationships. It's 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 a skewed sense of self um it's unable to control your emotions your anger uh fear of abandonment mm-hmm. all of that oh, yeah. um like i'm constantly afraid when people come into my life that they're just gonna go that for, for yeah. no reason for no logical reason they they don't have to give me a reason it's just i automatically think 
that you're going to hurt. Like you're going to hurt me because of what I've dealt with in the past. Of I have had people that have come into my life, promised that they would be there, and then they just kind of disappeared. But that happens to everyone. I'm yeah, so I, sure. but it feels like related you know? to DBT thing too. Like when things like that happen, being able to like step outside of it and go like, oh, there's not some, some cosmic curse that I have. It's just this is what happened in this situation, right? Like, like it sounds like it would be important to like not let yourself build narratives. Like, I feel like I remember a lot of bad things. Like, or you store up a lot of bad things. Oh so you gosh, go like, oh, this yeah. happens to me all the time. But you don't keep track of like, eh, they're kind of isolated incidents or there's other good things that happen too. But we you store up. We just automatically think of all the bad things. Like, that's it. We right. we completely ignore everything good and we just automatically go, go to the bad things. Like, I could... Um, fun fun fact uh for for the listeners like i'm a singer and actor so let's say like i got a really big job but something bad also happened to me i would be like fuck this job i'm only focusing on like the bad thing that happened to me and and it's rough man it's it's definitely rough it's um but the beauty of it also and this is something that a lot of people don't know you can get rid of it. Mm. It's not like bipolar disorder. It's not like uh, schizophrenia or anything like that because it's a set of behaviors. Like it's not like a, mm. it's, it, it's very, very hard to explain. And yeah, I know what you, I feel like I know what you mean though. Yeah. So it's, and that's what dialectical behavioral therapy does is it teaches you how to get rid of those traits and how to control your emotions. And yeah. once you do that, if you don't have the traits anymore, you can't be diagnosed <laughs> like like right. some people have depression and then they they either take medication or they get help or, or therapy and then they don't have depression anymore and it's the same exact thing like you're yep. not stuck with it unfortunately with like what i the disorders that i mentioned before like bipolar schizophrenia any of that that does unfortunately stay with you for the rest of your life and you will have it you it. just kind of learn how to deal with it and um like you'll take medication for it and stuff like that. But with, with the borderline, you can get rid of it. Like it's something that's, uh, Oh, ciao. Hello. 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 People from out of, out of the country. (laughs) Um, Um, well, so then on the, on the heels of that, the second question is always what medications do you take or have you tried? Actually, my other question, this is related also. So Uh, so definitely medications. (laughs) I'm curious about what you, what you still take and what works for you. What what hasn't worked, including like if you've tried to manage it with like drugs or anything like that. And also, uh, kind of on the last question, like how old were you when you first, when people were like, you have Whatever, borderline or depression. Okay, or so whatever. the borderline was actually literally, as I said before. Well, I, I know you did say you were hospitalized when you were eight. Yes, uh, I wasn't fully diagnosed. Like, I actually have not been fully, fully diagnosed. I, my psychiatrist has just been like, you have a lot of traits. Like, you have the traits of gotcha. it. Um, but that's also why, like, I entered treatment right away is because I was just like, well, if I can catch this early, then I can just learn how to manage it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I started to get diagnosed with depression. I have uh, OCD. I was actually diagnosed with OCD. Mm. Um, I was very obsessive like that. And it tied into the orthorexia that I explained with the obsessive health and not eating any quote unquote junk food. Yeah. Um, I, I was a very, very angry child. My, my childhood was, it's very confusing and a lot of people don't really understand it at all either. And it's something that I haven't really talked about a lot, but I did have, uh, traumatic events happen to me when I was younger. 
Um, and that kind of led to me being confused with how to handle my emotions and, mm-hmm. and the things that happened to me that I, I took it out. Like when I was in elementary school, like I went and I did all these like weird things. Like I've got, I got into fights with people. Like, um, my mom told me that I bit somebody <laughs> when I was like six. Um, or, um, I was just trying to, trying to find myself and I truly just did not know because no one taught me how. And also it wasn't a popular thing. Like borderline is popular but it's not known or talked about a lot so it's so people think that it's rare mm-hmm. but it's not it's yeah. actually really 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 common um and so yeah so that happened and then i ended up having to leave school because i wasn't really getting the care that i need like i i was a hurt kid like yeah. i had traumatic events happen to me as a child that i did not ask for and um i didn't know how to handle it like i i really didn't i i was i was also very over sexualized too um, like I remember I was, I was younger and I think I went up to some kids at school and I was wearing like underwear and I, and I like lifted up my dress and I was just like, mm. surprise, look what I have. And apparently that has to do with like the stuff that happened to me. And, mm. um, that's how I expressed myself was just either being, uh, very over, overly sexual or very angry. And huh. those were the two. Yeah, that's those interesting. Were the two, yeah, I know. It, it's weird. I'm but, still I mean, trying they're like to understand extreme it. states. They're like extreme states. Extreme states, states yes. They're kind of like taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What? Uh, so then the medication stuff, what, what have you tried? Um, you oh, my gosh. Okay. So my parents know all of it. I'm trying to remember. Right now, I'm currently taking Wellbutrin and Lexapro. And they actually go, they work really well. They go hand in hand, like the Lexapro um works with the Wellbutrin and kind of intensifies it. So mm-hmm. it just makes it so much better. But I've tried Lamictal. I was on Zol- Zoloft was what I was on. And that's really common. Like I talk to a lot of people who have anxiety or depression. They, they're they on Zoloft. Um, so that was one of the big ones. And I was on that for about 15 years. Mm. Um, I was, and that was my main medication. Yeah. Um, and then I did something called Trileptol. Mm. Um, and I, I tried, what else have I, I recently also tried some, there was something, Trintilex, there was, and it's a new one that I just, Mm -hmm. and this was something that I tried about eight months ago and it made me feel crazy. Like I literally hallucinated. Like it was Mm. like, it was scared. Like I felt like I was on drugs and we, we stopped that right away. I was like, no, 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 no. We are not, we are not doing that. And it, it, medication is really all about experimenting. Um, and yeah. of course I didn't really want it either. Like I was no one, no one wants it. No, no one, one likes it. And yeah. it's just like, yay, I want medication. Like right. that's just, no. that doesn't exist. But, um, I don't produce enough serotonin in my brain. Like I, it's a chemical imbalance that yeah. I truly can't help. Like right. that's how I was born. I don't produce. So it makes me sadder than most people. Right. Um, and that's why I do the therapy that I do in order to help, um, challenge those thoughts and and reframe them yeah. and make sure that i'm i'm thinking straight i you kind of related to some of the stuff we were talking earlier I, I wanted to ask you about this too because I, I find physical activity like regulating and i, I almost treat it like a treatment oh yeah thing okay. but it can easily become kind of the same way with drugs you know drugs and alcohol prescription or not whatever like can help as much as they, you can use them as a harmful to to oh, also yeah. oh yeah so for you with things like body image stuff and, and eating disorder stuff and orthorexia stuff like uh how do you 
like where's that line for you with your physical practices to know when you're like using it for something to like help take control and and like make things better oh honey what, i'm still know? figuring that yeah, out yeah yeah <laughs> i am still that is actually that's one of the big things that i'm struggling with now is because i do have a love for exercise but i also used it as a way to pretty much harm myself yeah. was because i was just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and yeah. i wasn't feeding my body what it what it when it needed um and that's that's where i find so um my dietitian she gave me an article uh that i wish that i had on me because it was fantastic and it pretty much explained the difference between exercising like for your body and for like the love of it and between you know doing it because you feel like you have to because you ate food or it's as a punishment. So I have to do like check-ins with myself. Like let's say I went out to eat or there was a holiday that came up and I want to go to the gym. I have to go, okay, Laura, do I want to go to the gym? Because like I love working out. Working out is something that I naturally do. I love to lift and it makes me feel good and strong. Or is it because... I feel like I need to punish myself because of the food that I ate. Like I just have to do check-ins. I have to do, it's, it's the feeling. And I also learned to not exercise until I'm crawling out of there anymore. Like you're not supposed to do that. You are supposed to have like energy afterwards. You're supposed to feel good. Are you tired? Of course. But I was like tired to the point where I needed to sleep all day. Like Mm. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to go anyone. I didn't want to go anywhere, but, um, it was to the point where like I literally just needed to sleep all day and that's when I realized okay this is a problem Mm -hmm. so um I do have people that still like keep me accountable like um I have people I go to LA Fitness um and they're like my family they're like god bless them they they will keep they will keep me accountable they'll watch me they'll they'll see if I'm there for too long like even the other day I recently I have been struggling with a little bit of my depression because of the holiday season and I know a lot of people like literally everyone I feel like that I've talked to is not happy right now uh because this is one of the most difficult times of the year and um they're aware of that and they saw me and I was there for almost two hours and he and uh, one of the trainers just came up to him and was like, listen, Laura, like overtraining is not the answer. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not like all you're doing is just hurting yourself. Like, why do you want to feel like shit? Like, why are you making yourself like you already are not feeling good? So why would you want to make yourself feel worse? And I'm just like, you're right. I just I just want to get my mind off of it. Like, blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, that's that's not it. You know, there are so many other ways to do it. And um yeah talk about it dude like talk like just just start talking about it like tell me how you feel and the second that I started to talk about it and I I kind of processed and I ended up working it out and I didn't feel the need to be there anymore and I was like you know what I'm gonna go home I'm gonna go home I'm going to cuddle my dog and and put on a face mask and drink some wine and (laughs) yeah treat myself the way that I deserve yeah that's great yeah well, the third question is, uh, what's something cheesy that you find inspiring? Something cheesy that I find inspiring. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm a very emotional person, so like everything kind of inspires <laughs> me. Um, I don't. I'm this, I cried everything. Okay, so the other day, I I just was going on a mindfulness walk with my dog. Like I like to leave my phone and and just kind of be. You know, like I look at all the trees, look at all the people. And this is when I was not really feeling super amazing and my depression was getting the best of me. I was just looking at the people and their families. Like it was, it was a Sunday and and people were outside because it was a beautiful day. 
just seeing life happen. Mm-hmm. Like just seeing people smile, seeing them with their family, seeing them play with their dogs, seeing this father throw a football with his son, just life happening. It was inspiring to me to just keep going and to just want to be and just want to be here because even the time it it just kind of made me realize like the tiniest little things to be grateful for and i know so many people that were not able to experience that or that did unfortunately leave this earth if they saw that i know that they would still like want to be here 95 percent it's 90 or 95 percent of people who attempt suicide or survive suicide uh they're they are yeah. happy that they're alive yeah. like that that is a cold hard fact yeah they are happy so we just got to learn how to figure out what to do in those moments when we're feeling like that so that because we don't we don't want to go there like yeah. we and then a lot of times I, I know people that have gone to that extreme and i'm sure that they would they have their they regret it because yep. i i know them and i know that they you know, they'll have their extremes and they'll have their high highs and low lows. And if they learned how to handle that, if they learn these skills, the skills that I learn in therapy, the skills that um, I want to fight to get into schools, I think that uh, she would still be alive. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of other people would still be alive. So that's why I want to do it now. But unfortunately, um, it's a money issue and it's about funding. And and they, they... uh, my therapist kind of explained to me, I said, well, why can't we just get this into schools now? And she goes, well, they're going to, in order, if they're going to put money towards it, they need facts. Like they're, they're going to have to do like experiments almost like they they would put it in schools and then they would have to wait until those kids grew up and see how their, their lives are. Right, right. That's the kind of study that they would have to do. And I was kind of like, um, that's too long. Like yeah. people are, people are struggling now. Totally. Like our, like the suicide rate and depression rate in our generation is at its all time high, yeah. like all time high. And no one's, well, right now I've noticed people are starting to talk about it a little more, but um, like social media is so prominent and no one talks about it on there. Like all like people with millions of followers, like they call themselves influencers. Mm-hmm. Who are you influencing well, to sure. buy, to make people sick? Like right. I see fit tea all the time. That's, that's, giving people eating disorder thoughts of you're not worthy because you're this weight. Right. But that's not true. Um, and I, that's, that's another thing that I want to, I want to fight is to make sure that people with these platforms, um, use them for good because I'm just so tired of, of seeing that. And, and they don't even help any of their followers either. Like I'll see comments like, Oh my God, I wish I was you. I wish I looked like that. And they'll just be like, thank you. Like they're not like, girl, you're beautiful. Like you, you, what, how you were born is beautiful. And and I don't know. It's just, it's just really, really frustrating and really sad to me. And I just, I hate it, but that's why I'm not going to stop until I can make a difference. Mm. Like that's, that's something that's like super, super important to me. Well, the next one is, uh, sideways kind of well into what's something dark about you. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, we're pretty open about it, but a lot. Like I've had. I mean, um, maybe be like a little more specific. Like, what do you like? I don't know. I mean, because I mean, this I've one, kind of went over. Pretty open about it. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Kinda, it's kind of like, good. I mean, like I, I have that question because a lot, of, sort of, with the influence I thing you're talking about, a lot of people 
just don't talk about it. They don't talk about like dark things about them. They don't talk about like impulses or um, problems they face or things, which I know we've like talked about that broadly, but I just like to say that because like, I don't know. I think of a lot of us have like some like goth part of ourselves or some dark part of ourselves <laughs> that we feel we like, oh, we, yeah. yeah, we feel like there's something like fucking, we're like, oh, we have to hide that part and act like not. But I think like acknowledging that these things are part of us is like important. I mean, if I'm being completely and totally honest, I don't really have any secrets. Like yeah. I'm so open. You actually got one out of me. Like you got oh, one? the the whole borderline thing. Oh, like that really? was that yeah, was yeah. one thing that I never actually oh. like I if people like ask me about it, but yeah. it's not something that I've like spoken about publicly or like you on know, social think, media or like a podcast or anything. I totally like get that. that. I think the label feels scary. Labels are so scary. Like I cried for so long when it was even a thought. Like when someone was just like Yeah, you might you might have this. I was like, eh, like oh, I lost yeah. it. Um why? Because you felt like, oh, that means I'm a yeah, fucking like, crazy it person was, or something. Yeah, you know, but also it, it did give me like a sense of relief at the same time because I had so many questions. I was like, why was I wa- why was I the way that I was when I was a kid? Why did I do this? Why did I act like that? Why did I think like this? Like I had yeah. so many questions. And like when, when I finally found out, I was like, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And it was kind of like, this is how I was born like, yeah. and I have to accept it. And guess what? I can fix it. That's the best. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the, the most inspiring. Totally. Is that I can fix it. It is hard and it takes a lot of strength to do because recovery is not linear. Like it's not. Yeah. People just think that it's just like, oh, okay, you're better. No, it's like, this is, this is how I see recovery. You're making a wave with your hands. Like literally going, like just up going and up. And going yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, it's like a roller coaster, but it's going up. Yeah. I just, I just something once they describe history, like politically, like it's not a pendulum. It doesn't go back like left and right, left and right. It's yeah, like an no. upward spiral. Yeah. So it does go back and forth, but you're always kind of steadily moving upwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, the next question is, uh, what's the last gorgeous thing you saw? The last gorgeous thing that I saw. I mean, whenever I drive in the car, I look out and I think that California is gorgeous, which is why I live here. Um, But I mean, the whole me walking with my dog and seeing life happen, that was probably that was something like a park. Where was that? No, it was literally my neighborhood. Yeah. Like it was just my neighborhood and I just moved t- to my house. So I didn't really get to explore my neighborhood. And that was kind of like the first time that I actually did. Yeah. And it, and it was like just kind of beautiful. I loved all the houses. I loved the people smiling. Um, I had a Christmas party on Friday oh. and uh, some people came up to sing. And everyone was so supportive and that was like beautiful to me. Like I thought that that was, their voice was gorgeous. (laughs) Their voice, their voices were absolutely stunning. Um, But seeing like, also um, I had a bunch of people clean my entire house for me. Um, That was shocking to me. Like Like after the party, you mean? After the party. Like who does that? Like you go, you go to houses, you get drunk and then you leave. They literally stayed and they said, no, we're helping you clean up. Like we're making like you let us in. You yeah. let us in your how home. How old are they? They were the uh, in their like 20s. They were in their mid, mid, mid 20s. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like Dude, I really honestly think that's one of the like things of like when you start growing up the parties that starts happening at parties. Yeah. I weird. was I was like, 
I, I even tried to wash some of my own dishes and I got yelled at. Like, uh, like they were just really like, no, nice. you sit down. Like, yeah. you need to relax. Like, you did so much tonight. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I was, I was just very, very thankful. God, but, but yeah, that was probably one of the last gorgeous things that I saw. <laughs> like everyone together, like just the support and uh, how nice everybody was. Yeah. Was, Beautiful beautiful to me like it was <laughs> uh all right here's the very last one i have this thing called the don't kill yourself list and i was in like a really fucking bad time in my life oh i love this i started the don't kill yourself list uh for me it always starts with coffee sandwiches and lavender <laughs> soap and it's things that are usually like pretty accessible not like you know too abstract necessarily they can be but not usually mm -hmm. and uh and things that you feel personally for your subjective experience are objectively uh good reasons to keep existing in this plane uh there's so many mm -hmm. like i it would take me like hours to write like i could write a yeah, book whatever on yeah it. just pick some of your but what um, to you. first of all the people in my life oh my god do i have a support team yeah like I I have some amazing amazing human beings in my life that I am so 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 blessed to 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 have and I'm meeting even more like mm -hmm. I'm literally every day I feel like I meet like a new person like yeah. the other night when I had my party I met so many beautiful people I was like oh my gosh I'm so happy you're here yeah um so that's that's a big thing is the people in my life like I don't have the heart to to leave them yep. um I, I love them too much. Um, what else? <sighs> Things that I haven't experienced yet. I'm 22. I'm about to turn 23 in February. Like I have a whole yeah. life. Yeah. I have a whole, so whole life. life that I have not. I haven't even been out of the country. Mm. Like I literally have not. I haven't been out of the U.S. Yeah. I need to explore. I want to travel. I want to experience. Um, three. I want my fucking dreams to come true. I'm not going anywhere until my dreams come true. Mm -hmm. Like I know why I was put on this earth and I'm not going to stop until I do it. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm just not like I am not doing anything else. Even that's I, like a hard exercise to go through. I think when you're not in a good place is like to imagine yourself in the future, to have a future vision. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I think I spent most of my twenties not thinking I would like really live past 30 very long. Same. <laughs> I didn't think that I was going to make it to uh 21. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I did. Already not beaten it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm beating it. Turning 23. Yeah. No, I think that's really weirdly subtle, but important. Yeah. It's like truly having a vision of yourself in the future. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, it's so corny to talk about like goals. Like goals are important. Mm -hmm. But no, like, we need um, to have them, dude. For real. It gives you a sense of purpose. Yeah, it gives you some. Yeah, some kind of focus of some kind to like what you're moving towards and. Yeah, a belief in the future is like really important to keeping you in the present. You I know? mean, I know personally that I need to have something to look forward to, to motivate me to like get up and get out of bed and, 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 and do that. Like I need to to make sure that like I'm I'm doing something for a purpose, that I'm yeah. doing something for a reason. And sometimes it's totally OK to just be and, and not do anything mm -hmm. like I do. My anxiety is really bad. Uh, when I'm not doing anything uh. like if I don't have anything to do if I'm done with all my work if I'm not like literally if I'm not doing anything I will just start to like shake and I'm like I have to do things like I will just clean random things because mm. I just need to do something and it's because we're kind of taught that if you don't that we're taught to not relax that we have to constantly yeah. be working that we constantly have to go and go and go and go and go completely and um, I you need to relax. Like if you don't give yourself a break, 
that's how you break down. Mm -hmm. Like I see that, like I, and one of my roommates, she was, she was working so, so, so much and, um, to just kind of, you know, keep herself here. And she was breaking. Like I, I watched it happen and she just ended up breaking down and, and, uh, having a lot of stress and anxiety. And then she just didn't want to do anything at all. Yep. So it's like, you need to take care. You need to do self check-ins. You need to take care of yourself or else you're not going to get what you want or you're not going to go. Like if you're not healthy, if you're not mentally healthy, how are you supposed to do anything that you want to do? Right. Because you're going to be hyper-focused on all the bad shit that's happening in your life, you know? So that's, well, we did it. We did the damn thing. Yeah. Thank you for thank, being here. Thank no. you for sharing your good bad brain thank, with us. Thank, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end my, yeah. my live. If people want to find the live thing, what, what's your Instagram or something? Oh, like? uh, at Laura Kate Cassidy. Okay. Thank you so cool. much, dude. This rules. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for being so open about the borderline stuff. Just everything. This is, this is dope. Thank you. Thank, thank you. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, happy holidays, everybody. This happy probably, holidays, yeah. and everyone, please. Um, know that you're not alone. I know this is a tough time, yep. but, uh, me and Jared are here for you. Uh, yeah, we definitely are. We're <laughs> we here. Are, we are here for We've you. We've been in your ears for the last hour or so. So yeah. we're here. Ah, yeah, I do feel that way. Actually. I do. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about this podcast has been that, uh, I feel more connected to people who even just listeners and people like knowing that it resonates with other people as we talk about our struggles and that there's something about that. Just knowing that other people that I think what you were saying about like, there's some almost relief in having a diagnosis because you at first you're scared of being considered something bad, mm-hmm. like in your own brain, you're like, I must be crazy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that actually seeing things that felt so singular and alone in the symptoms and realizing a lot of people go through the same stuff and that, you know, you're not some freak of nature no. that like, you're just a normal part of I like this hurt. thing. <laughs> like that yeah. was it is yeah. I was a hurt kid. <laughs> right. And that it's totally like reasonable, like how you are. And what you said, I, I think is about like how you can fix it, that you can heal yourself if you do the, like, like that's just so hopeful and beautiful knowing that like you're not alone in your pain that like there's there's people who have who've had it before you and who will have it after you and that like there's a lot of wisdom there i don't know there's something about like just empathy you know they say like the difference between sympathy and empathy is like sympathy is like uh like like seeing like saying like oh that sucks that something bad happened to you mm-hmm. and and like like empathy has to do with like all just being present and being like all bad things have happened to me also. And mm-hmm. I, we're like holding space for each other. Yeah. And to me, this, this thing that we're doing, I, I don't know. It's like, we are all, it creates like this space that we're all holding for each other. Like a knowledge that we are all like surviving. Which is why I'm going to talk about it and continue to talk about yeah. it so that other people will move forward and, and talk about it. Ditto. All right. Thanks. <laughs> of course. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to my good bad brain again. Um, if you enjoyed this um, pod, check us out on patreon.com slash my good bad brain or leave us a review. You know, that's really, that's really dope also. All right, guys, uh, hydrate, self-care, be well. Thank you.